Stay tuned for the Renewable Energy Hour. And the sun is returning, and you, listener, are returning to the Renewable Energy Hour. I'm Doug Livingston, and with me is Alex Ergon. Hey, Alex, how are you? Hey, Doug. I'm doing all right. I had a fun one this week, uh, finding an operational 42-year-old off-grid inverter. Whoa. What did that look like? Uh, It was a Vanner. I guessed it was either, like, the very first prototype of Trace or was a Vanner. And indeed, it was a banner, and wow. uh, and uh, I was brought out because it had shut down, and the owner didn't understand why. And uh, by the time I got there on his next visit, it was working again. So my really? guess, my guess is, it was just a low voltage shutdown. Yeah, as as uh, un as inefficient as ever, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's not as bad as most stuff back then, but. Uh, but yeah, no, there are a lot more efficient versions. And he said, you know what? Maybe for preventative maintenance, I should get a new inverter anyhow, even if that's not the problem. <laughs> and I wholeheartedly approved. But nice to see that an inverter can last 42 years. Yeah, I just decommissioned a couple of them that were uh, not banners, but they were uh, Trace SWs that were from 1998 to 97, I believe. Yeah, yeah. 20, so. 25 years old. 25-year-old version. They got replaced not because they were failing but, for preventative maintenance purposes. Yeah. Well, uh, th- th- those were the first super sophisticated inverter. <laughs> they were the Hell 9000s. The Hell 9000s? Why do you call it that? On the on the faceplate of the Trace SW inverters, on the lower left corner, it actually said in very small letters, HAL 9000. Oh, HAL. HAL is in 2001. <laughs> Yeah, 2001 A Space Odyssey. It's Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I can't do that for you. Dave. Ouch. Ouch. Well, they were pretty damn sophisticated for their time. Now they're now they're uh, fairly crude compared to all the crazy electronics we have available now. Yeah, they, they still really aren't bad. Like, uh, they just... Yeah, you know, there's there's issues with them. They have non they have volatile memory rather. So you have, to, um, you have to reprogram them every time you do battery maintenance. But you know, I still like them better than I like Magnum inverters, for instance. So. Well, well, Magnum inverters didn't have much choice in terms of how you programmed them. Well, Magnum inverters are a little bit pain in the butt for many reasons, but. I don't want to get too bad onto that because I'm, I'm angry at them right now, so I'm probably not. <laughs> All right, you're you're not objective. <laughs> All right, we'll walk away from Magnum, but uh, there's plenty of other good stuff to play with. So we have kind of a loose show, uh, kind of loose, a few different pieces to talk about, and uh, we're definitely gonna have some time for call-ins tonight. Uh, I got some news I want to share. Uh, probably a lot of people have heard, but Ford Lightning, the F-150 truck, is now out and available, or it will be very, very shortly. They actually have prices now available. Uh, there's, there's the, Introducing the Ford F-150 Lightning, starting at $39,947. I like that amount, yeah. So starting at about forty grand. Uh, well, 47 for 53 cents. Couldn't you just call it 40 grand? Right, right. It's, well, it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, what? Oh, wait a minute. No, no sorry. There, there, yeah, yeah. 
I guess that's a slight psychologically easier number to take than forty grand. And I I recently bought my uh, my um, twenty nineteen uh, Ford F one fifty. Has a lot of features to it, but I bought it for uh, about forty grand used. It was a year old uh, when I got it. So and you bought it used at forty nine. Yeah, so the base model of the Lightning truck is cheaper than my all frills and all the missiles used. Yeah, it also uh, lists it uh, with up to $7,500 in tax credits. Um, Well, you know, imagine how that applies different ways. Yeah, well, the federal one will apply to them since they're brand new. Tesla's used up their federal tax credit. Yeah. Oh, there is a note that says, due to high demand, the current model year is no longer available for retail order. But they're going to be uh, trying to get those going. I suppose that means they've already sold out of what's available for Yeah, year. no, they had like a year wait list, I think, of people who had already committed. Yeah. yeah, that was a huge hole. We used to get that all the time when we talk about EVs on the show in this county was when they have a pickup truck, I might get an EV. Yeah. And, and there, are, there are a couple out there now, um, and hopefully will be more and more choices. Yeah, so some of the uh, available options uh, can get you up to 320 miles. Um, EPA estimated range is 179 miles. On the base model? Or on um, that would be available, so that would not be the base model. All right. Uh, the uh, performance uh, zero to sixty in mid four seconds, so less than five seconds. That's pretty darn fast. Yeah, well, that's typical of all electric vehicles. They have crazy acceleration. Yep. They have targeted maximum payload of two thousand pounds, so it's a full ton. Uh, but your range, target- your range is affected particularly on hills. Yeah, and it actually says there's a app they have available that can do all those calculations for you, depending upon, uh, let's see, it says, uh, Intelligent Range app. Advanced technology calculates payload, grade, even weather and traffic to help predict how much energy you might use. Oh, so you can put in, like, on Google Maps or something? and Yeah. And so, it'll, it'll tell you how to how to expect your battery to hold out? Yeah, that's how far you cool. can make it till the next stop kind well, of thing. All the data is available for that, so that makes sense that they would have that. Awesome. Uh, yeah, they, so they Do all of them have the built-in uh, outbound 240-volt uh, inverter? That I'm not sure how big of an option that is. I mean, I know it's definitely it's, one of the... It's an option. It's not a standard. Let's see if I can find that on there. Uh, what do you got in the background there? That's a little bit in the next room, I think. Oh, chase it down. Are you getting? Is it pretty loud over there? I get it every now and then. It jumps in. It's, okay, it's more than just a click. Oh no, no, it's not your clicks. It's it's voices. Okay, I hear it. I'll get that taken care of in a minute. <laughs> Close that door. Yeah. Anyway, we got uh, so we got lots lots more items coming up with uh with uh, internet connections and apps. Uh, one of which, by the way, is now a hybrid water heater. You can actually get uh, a uh, water heater that has a has a, a smartphone app on it. It tells you how much water you're using. You can put it in different modes. Uh, the uh, Ream brand uh, hybrid hot water heater. A friend Graham pointed out to me uh, he's wanting to get one possibly and 
So I wound up looking into a little bit more. Supposedly this new hybrid hot water heater uh, can use about a quarter of the energy that other electrics can. Um, uh, and the way it does that is by using a heat pump type system. Uh, I'm not incredibly familiar with heat pumps, Doug. Gary, you are, right? You yeah, understand? yeah. So, nobody, how would I... Uh, it's basically a refrigerator. Pump? It's uh, It's chilling the uh, air outside of the water heater and pumping the heat it grabbed from that air into the water. So it's, it's the same technology as an air conditioner. It's just not being in a, used in a way we're used to. Okay, so uh, it's taking available heat, I guess it says, and it's oh, helping to transfer oh, that. Into- yeah, it's taking available heat out of the air outside of the water heater and and pumps it into the water itself so in the in the uh summertime it's actually cooling your place um in the wintertime it's also cooling your place (laughs) so there's going to be some strategic placement where it is in the house kind of thing yeah and i think some people will uh well, no, it's uh, you, you don't want to run it trying to grab your heat from cold, cold outdoor air, but it, its efficiency goes down. Actually, yeah. they don't even talk in terms of efficiency because they're moving heat from one place to another, and what we care about is the electricity consumption of the actual water heater and not what heat it consumes from the environment. Right. The ground, ground source heat pumps and air-to-air heat pumps are the same basic technology, but most space heating heat pumps are designed to go both directions, so that in the wintertime they're sucking heat out of the outside air and pumping it into your house, and in the summertime they're sucking heat out of your house and pumping it into the outside air. Yeah. Well, when we get it, if we got it down to a quarter of the energy that hot water heaters normally take, um, we're starting to get to be viable for putting on uh, electrical powered solar systems mm-hmm. uh, with lithium batteries. I've got a I've got a really large system uh, down in Sonoma County that I just recently finished, and it's got a really good uh, web monitoring system. I'm able to take a look at the power usage of this place. One of the things that I can see is how often the yeah, the hot water heater cycles when it's you know just standing by uh, maintaining and uh, typically it fires up for about 10 minutes uh, twice or overnight and uh, it runs about 5,000 watts uh, when it does turn on so what's that 5,000 by by 10 by one sixth yeah divided by six it winds up being about 833 watt hours for each of those cycles. So this darn thing's still consuming what? about 1,600 watt hours just keeping the water warm inside the tank when it's not in use. Overnight, that's a lot. That's that's one and a half kilowatt hours. Yeah. For our skimpy off-grid systems, that'd be a deal breaker. Yeah, for the little ones. Uh, but, you know, if it winds up getting down to a quarter of that with one of these hybrids, oh. you know, that's a possibility. Oh, oh, so the one you were monitoring was a regular electric... The one I was monitoring was a normal one. Okay. Okay. Yeah, 4,000 so watts sounds at, like a heating element. The idea of having one of these hybrids. Yeah, having, uh, having one of these hybrids to replace that, and it might be significantly uh, 
the last kidding like you know 400 watt hours over overnight uh which is still significant but that's, but, that's but tolerable on a larger off-grid system um yeah but also keep in mind that you better have the panels to drive the actual heating function when you do have your showers and wash your dishes and do your laundry but uh, yeah. solar solar's gotten a lot cheaper, so I'm seeing more and more pretty monstrous off-grid solar arrays, even if the batteries aren't super monstrous. The uh, the biggest stress I see on this system, this big one, is when they do use the dishwasher. Huh. The system is plenty big to do the dishwasher. When they do the dishwasher, there's the heating element in the dishwasher they use, but also surprise, surprise, it turns on the hot water heater. Yeah. Oh, so you get so double duty. Yeah, because the, the dishwashers now are all required to pump the hot water in and then superheat it to sterilizing temperatures with the heating element. You can't turn that off in the eco function. But, but you can turn that heating element off during the drying cycle. Okay. With, with most modern dishwashers, you know, some sort of energy saver mode or green mode or what whatever yeah so we're often seeing uh cycles running where one run of the dishwasher can be like you know five thousand watt hours uh and more that's that's with their that's with their conventional electric water heater yeah that's their conventional so uh you know compare that to doing dishes by hand oh my gosh (laughs) Um, in general, we don't do electric water heaters off the grid. Well, in general, yeah. And it, it, it's starting with with your heat pump on a large system. It starts to become reasonable. Yeah, uh, and you know a lot of these, you know, some of these systems. Once again, we're talking about uh, a place that might be a quarter mile or a half mile away from the nearest grid. Uh, we can look at you know the the avoided cost of bringing in you know the utility to that area and we have a big budget we can play with so Mm -hmm. if you have a hundred thousand dollars to uh put into a power system you can have a significant off-grid system now uh well you you can't make a direct equivalent there because you will have to replace those batteries 10 years down the road at twenty thirty thousand dollars some of the batteries you've been putting in yeah, we're looking at you know fifteen twenty years down the road. So, you know, if you have if you spend a hundred thousand dollars to bring utility to your place, how much are you going to pay in your bill over those next you know fifteen thirty years too? You know, so it's it's definitely it's not on parity with the grid, but we're talking about you know getting closer. Getting um, closer. So we're catching up bit by bit. It's still still expensive to become your own utility. <laughs> There's definitely no no free lunch here, so but it's definitely getting better. A um, couple of the project I've worked on lately have been people wanting to set up their residence. They could also uh, they could also rent it out as you know rental event rental spaces and that sort of thing. And so they're really needing it to be more uh, reliable than you know janky old little system and more maintenance free. So. You know, when we're putting in uh, nice new systems with lithium batteries, the biggest maintenance issue these days is the battery. I know the battery, the uh, generator. The generator, yeah. Gas generator, yeah. And, uh, 
Presuming you programmed it right to not ruin the lithium batteries. Right. Now, when you uh, start and run a generator, when you're designing the whole system, come to think of it, a uh, question that often comes up is, how big a generator do I need? Well, you know, your, your battery and different manufacturers have different rules about how fast you can charge the battery. The lithium... Uh, the lithium chemistry has certain uh, limitations or you know certain abilities to charge different speeds, but more than that, more important than that is the way that the the company has designed the internals of the battery. They have internal wiring and internal you know conductive conductors and such, and those have maximum capacities too. Like the simplified batteries, uh, they have a uh, their regular batteries. You can only charge them at a fifty percent rate or a C two rate. A C2, all right. Yeah. You can discharge them at a 50% rate. Um, but there's other brands uh, like uh, Discover. And, uh, Discover can do 100% or actually do a, a C1 it actually, rate. It can actually deliver power at a uh, at a half hour rate. So, you know, a C.5 rate. Uh, and, uh, Sustained? Actually, really? They can do that. That's their maximum discharge. They don't want their, you don't want a sustained rate to be more than a C one. Okay. Yeah. No, let's talk sustain, not surge. Yeah. But but that's so, crazy. You know, if you've got a battery bank sized for an off grid home, the C run rate should be five times what your house will ever ask for. Yeah. Well, let's hope. But the that high C rate though makes it so that you can size your system so you can have a generator fire up. And if you can put the power in there fast, it can really decrease your generator runtime. So, uh, like one system I have going uh, has a uh, 38 kilowatt generator in it, and it's got a 74 kilowatt hour battery. Um, so that 74 kilowatt hour battery, we're able to uh, turn on the generator, and we're able to charge, we're able to put 40 percent charge in the batteries in about an hour and 15 minutes. And the way we're able to program the inverters, we have it so the generator turns on when the batteries get down to 20%. And it comes on at 20%, and it charges the battery up to 60%. And that takes about an hour and 15 minutes. So, you know, we don't want to charge it all the way up to 100% because you want to leave some headroom in the batteries available for if the sun comes out. And you get, you know, you don't want to have, mm-hmm. you know, the sun rising and have your battery be over 80% full. Otherwise, you can't make use of that sun. So, uh, you know, but we get to program it to start, you know, very specific, uh, you know, set points and when it's going to turn on the generator, when it's going to turn off. And uh, by watching it at those different points, you can also program uh, so it would do a more complete charge at different times of day. So, like, we can make it so that if the generator comes on at, say, 9 o'clock at night, it's got to make it through the evening, too. So, you know, instead of just 60%, we might have it go up to 70%. That way, you know, it's, it's likely to be, you know, have like 40% capacity left to fill the next day when the sun comes up. And with all the monitoring, excuse me, with all the monitoring, it really gives you some great feedback on this. Uh, and I can look back at the uh, total energy used by the system in the day. And I can look at the total uh, kilowatt hours of power produced in a day. Actually, uh Hell, hell, you're going to start seeing interactive software that's looking up weather forecast for your zip code and anticipating 
Right. Oh, it's going to be completely overcast tomorrow. Better take it up to 80%. Or... Yeah. Well, I'm able to look back over the last month with the system. I can tell that there's there's some days when the PV exceeds what the loads are by only about 10% or so. And there's other times when the load, you know, when it's cloudy, when the load severely you know, <laughs> outruns how much solar is coming in. But, uh, you know, I can look back over it and figure out that if we had another 50% larger solar array on this place, that the generator would only have come on like twice in the last, you know, 30 days instead of 10 times or yeah, you know, that kind of yeah, figure. Yeah. And I can actually do a calculation on how much they're burning in gas. That a 38 kilowatt generator for uh, one of those, one of those runs when it goes from, uh, from four, from 20% up to 60%, it costs them about $22 uh, for each time it runs like that. So we're able to calculate, okay, here's how much money you're likely to have saved over this last month if you had 50% larger solar array. <laughs> or, or perhaps over the lifetime of the solar panels you would be buying with the proceeds. Right. <laughs> That's so, a better way to look at it because the solar panels are going to last for 25, 50 years. Right. Yeah, how long do solar panels last for? <laughs> I, I have seen 45-year-old functioning ones within 90 per, 90% of rated spec. Wow. Yeah, I've been through a few uh, panels, uh, arrays that were about 25 years old not too long ago uh, recently, and uh, found things like out of a set of 40 panels, like you know, forty or like 36 of them were still dealing really well. Maybe there were like two or three or four that weren't doing as well as the others, and there was really you know pulling pulling the rest of the system down, pulling the strings down. Yeah. So by eliminating by going through and testing and eliminating those few bad panels, the rest of the system could come up. And and what brand was that? Uh, Those were uh, those were actually shells. 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 Siemens. They're all this the S whatever seventy fives. Oh, SP-75s? Yeah, that could be Shell or Siemens or, yeah, or Shell or Siemens. Yeah, or Astro Power. Were they making an S <laughs> called 75 also? Well, no, SP-75, uh, that was a Siemens, or the Pro-JF-75, that was also Siemens. Um, but Shell only did it for like two years. They bought the, the Siemens plant, so it was basically the same panel. Yeah, but at the same time, they were hiring people to do murderous things in Nigeria, and they were not met with a big green welcome here in the U.S. and said, "Eh, to hell with the U.S. market," and they left and sold it to Solar World. Oh, okay, that's who got it. And and or before Sol- Sol- b- before it was Siemens, it was Arco Atlantic. Richfield Oil Company. I got a uh, email from uh, John Schaefer the other day, by the way, uh, where he forwarded something from Daniel Sugar. Oh, Dan Sugar. Yep. Dan Sugar <laughs> from you the Berkeley outfit. What was the name of their outfit? Was uh, he Paralyte or one of those? They, uh, well, he uh, early on he was one of the early big uh, big system installers, and and at the time. What they considered a big system is absolutely puny now, but right. Well, uh, he said uh, he, he dropped by Hoplin and uh, checked out the uh, power system on the Real Goods site, 
the solar living site. Uh-huh. And, uh, so I'll read you a little something here. He said, on Sunday I was driving past the 132 kilowatt uh peak system they designed installed 21 years ago in Hopland, California on a prior while at a prior company he was pleasantly surprised actually blown away to see the original inverter still operating (laughs) and the system was roughly performing in the range of design for a system of this age producing 42 kilowatt hours ac at 10 a.m in the morning april 24th on partially sunny conditions so uh he says, part of the design philosophy in the early days of central inverters was to install the inverter and electronic electrics in a ventilated shed. The original equipment was still operating. A few of the Astro Power 120-watt frameless modules... Frameless, there's the key problem there. ...were broken, but otherwise the system appeared intact during his brief inspection. Don't do frameless modules, people. Yeah, no, I... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> just just a sheet of glass ain't gonna cut it. Yeah, and it's a uh, tempered glass, the type where if you like tap it, it will crumble, shatter the whole thing. Yeah, and like side window from car glass turns just granular and disappears. So, but uh, yeah, so that was kind of that was a neat little piece of news there. So, what was that? It was twenty one years and still operating the original inverter. And and that inverter was working hard. It was a, I, I think a hundred watt inverter on a hundred thirty two. Yeah, it says. I'm that, sorry, uh, hundred kilowatt inverter on a hundred thirty two kilowatts of rated PV. But of course, they never put out what they are rated for. Yeah, apparently, uh, it says the genesis of the inverter was designed by U.S. Wind Power, used in the early nineties, created by Bill Erdman. Ray Hudson and Mike uh, Benke. He begged them to create a version of this design for solar. Serial number one. We built in a 100 kilowatt system in 1994 for SMUD called Hedge Substation. Design subsequently evolved through many companies including Kenetech, Trace, Xantrex, and Schneider. Yeah, Trace, Trace was the, the one who they got that through. Yeah, it was that was a tra- it's still in there. It says trace on it. Yeah. It's had its uh, cooling fans uh, fail a time or two and been replaced. Um, but but it's it, also uh, got a monstrous isolation transformer that's not necessarily needed <laughs> anymore. Is that I, I on that system? Yeah, yeah. Back then, it was illegal to do a transformerless inverter. So, and the inverter was transformerless, so they had to put in a transformer external to it. To keep huh. to be kosher with the utility, so there's this big honking transformer that sucks. Yeah. Sucks, you know. I bet you it sucks five kilowatt hours a night on latent draw. Oh, I bet it does. Um, and I, I, I remember uh, touring uh, some of the solar installations at Overland College when I was there this year, and. And, and he said, yeah, you know, this little tiny, you know, parking lot, shade structures, inverter, for some reason they made us install a transformer for it that didn't change the voltage. <laughs> and it was sucking two kilowatt hours a night. And it was it was a way smaller system than what was there at Real Goods. But. I've been over the plans in that system, and it does actually change the voltage, but it's only like by 10%. It doesn't really make sense. It didn't make sense to me, except that it's just the isolation transformer. Um, come to 
think of it, though, Transformers. That was another topic I wanted to talk about at some point here. Um, there's a lot of people who are off-grid uh, who have a, or they would be off-grid, except they are just barely close enough to the utility that it starts to make sense to try to send power up to their house. They might have the utility down at the road, uh, you know, far away from the house. Uh, that's where their uh, meter is. Then they will say, oh, okay, we can put in a transformer. We can send the power up the hill at higher voltage and transform it back down when it gets to the house. That works, but the problem is those those transformers, the step-up and step-down transformers are constant loads. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and, and they're a significant upfront cost, and the majority of the cost of getting the power up there is putting in the poles or digging the trench and not the actual cost of the wire. Yeah. There's some systems now that are uh, solar-powered with uh, you know battery backup. You can put it in. And... Uh, you know, if you have a if you have a transformer that steps up the power from 240 volt up to 480 volt, and then when it reaches its destination, transforms it back down to 240 volt. If you could set up a battery power system that could take a trickle charge through that system, you could actually eliminate those transformers because that circuit could send the same amount of it could send one quarter of the energy through that system without the transformers with the same amount of voltage drop. So if you had a step-up, a step-down step transformer system and you wanted to add solar to your system, and this has come up a few times, people wanted to put in solar just to eliminate the the uh, the idle current loss of, uh, of the transformers. If you put in a battery system, no, it's be possible that you could tr- have it constantly feed the battery system and charge it as needed you could get all your all your surge demand out of your batteries you could eliminate those transformers altogether and it could actually i haven't done the penciling out i was looking for some more uh, information on how much those transformers they, cost and how much they actually and how draw. much they draw yeah like uh i've seen some estimates that uh, like a 15 kilowatt transformer can draw can be pulling as much as uh, 750 watts constantly, even with no electrical load on it. And that's only a transformer big enough to do a 60 amp load. And there's two of those transformers in one of those systems. Yeah. So for a 60 amp load, you could be burning 1500 watts constantly in those transformers. So we're talking about what is that? That's like 33 kilowatt hours a day, something like that. Ouch. Yeah. Uh, it takes a pretty significant uh, amount of solar power to make up for that. But yeah. if you could knock that down, rather than send 60 amps, you could send 15 amps. Most of the times when I crunch the numbers, it's been a while. It, and copper may have changed things, although it's copper in the transformers. When I, when I look at the cost of the transformers and the cost of the additional PV to cover the transformer latent draw... It was always more than what it would cost to eliminate the transformers and put in the bigger wire. So, so the total cost of the uh, sorry, I guess I didn't quite gather that. Unless it's just really outrageous distances, um, that that the, it's cheaper to use bigger wire. It was cheaper to use bigger wire than transformers. And right. In a lot of so, cases, once you took into account all the real costs and not just the transmission costs. Right, and including the latent draw of the transmitter of the transformer. 
So yeah. what I'm saying then is that if you have those transformers and if you want to put in solar system to offset that cost, you might want to look at putting in a lithium battery power system that could make it so you could eliminate the transformers altogether. Yep. No, that sounds sounds quite reasonable and quite likely. Yeah. I'd like to crunch the numbers hard once, but but that makes sense. I've got to take a look at that with us with a site specific plan. All right. We've we've <laughs> yeah, been I mean, we've been rambling we've been ram Keep it. Oh, sorry. We're talking on each other. What? Yeah. Uh, I I was just saying. No, <laughs> Skype's getting funky. <laughs> Skype. Oh, baby, Skype. Well, we've we've been totally geeking out, and we may have a whole lot of glazed eyes out there that would be like like to be redirected by a listener calling in with something more down to earth, or perhaps. There's a whole bunch of elated geeks out there that want to talk about some of these same topics. Uh, so we'd like to open up the phone lines uh, if you want to join the conversation and shut us up a little bit. We can even do a troubleshooting call. <laughs> a troubleshooting call, yeah. Uh, the phone number here in the Philo Studios is 895-2448 if you want to join the conversation. Otherwise, you're going to have to listen to us continue to geek out in the KZYX Geek Hour. That's Wednesday nights at 7 p.m., the Renewable Energy Hour, alternating with Point and Click Radio, our two geekiest shows. Oh, I had another thing. If, if we, we don't have a call. We do not have a call at the moment. Okay. Well, the other thing I want to talk about, I uh, mentioned the California Cash for Clunkers program. Ah, yes. Uh, that's still in operation right now in 2022. Uh, if, you have a, if you have a car that runs, uh, that's registered, uh, and particularly if it didn't pass smog, if you're low income, you can get fifteen hundred dollars from the state for that. Uh, if you're not low income, it can be up to a thousand dollars. So that old piece of junk car, as long as you can start it, as long as you can drive it, you know, get it on the road, uh, you can get some money for that thing. Uh, it might be more or less than what it's worth, but hopefully, you get that old piece of junk off the road. If you're interested in that, uh, look up. Uh, Cash for Clunkers, all one word, dot org. And uh, you'd be able to find the details about that. There's some different uh, specifications and rules, of course. Uh, details about if you fail the smog test, that's actually a good thing in this case. You're like much more eligible. They're very interested in getting rid of that for you. Uh, it can take six to eight weeks to get your money for it. Um, if you need money faster than that, they have another program where you can... Uh, do a negotiated uh, price they can pay for it uh, quickly um, so don't just let that car that's not running so good uh, sit in the yard and fall apart and get eaten uh, by rust and rats uh, well, well you can still move it move it and move it move it <laughs> move it move it is that Jamie coming in it is indeed um you got to move it, move it. You got to move it, move it. Well, my uh, my two hundred seventy thousand Ford mile Ford Ranger may be a candidate soon. There you go. Two hundred seventy thousand. Yeah. What year is it? Uh, ninety-seven, I think. Ah, they don't drive so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I got it used, so. Yeah. All right. We got a brave caller who's looking to divert us from our geekdom. 
Hello, Collier. You're live on the Renewable Energy Hour. Ooh, and I think your radio's on. Turn that radio off. Yeah, sorry. So, um, I was the guy I called last show talking about my most expensive lithium-ion battery in the in the Monterey or in the Mendocino County. Oh. And um, I was just wondering, you guys sort of balked at me putting the battery and the inverter under the kitchen table. <laughs> and I just want, wondering, you know, there's no venting required. For no, this there's no battery. venting required. It's not in the um, way of your feet. I don't even remember this. Alex, do you remember this? I do. I remember yeah. hearing this one. Uh-huh. And I, I, I cracked up because I was thinking about it in the terms of a, of a uh, contractor. Uh, <laughs> we're not allowed to put power <laughs> systems under the kitchen table, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> they're supposed to have a working room clearance around. Yeah, but yeah. There's, there's working clearance rules in the National Electric Code and the California Electric Code. There's allowed to do and can do and uh, should do and shouldn't do. And, uh, there's oh, yes, and I remember us. Uh, yes, yes, I remember the what can be done and what legally should be done discussion. The other, the other thing is it's a 48-volt system, and we're getting some, somewhat sort of high voltage there. Um you know, it's not a 12-volt system anymore. I was just wondering, so that wiring should be probably um, encased and, and uh, properly uh, chased and everything, I suppose. Yeah, even not- even a 12-volt system should have been. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. It, not, not because of electrocution risks in the 12-volt system, but because of uh, potential damage to the insulation that could cause a short circuit and and 12 volt banks are notorious for being able to put out obscene amperages when i think about the kitchen table i think about how i'm a klutz with glasses and uh how i drop silverware and stuff like that so um i would really hesitate to put it there and if it was i would want it to be very protected uh you know basically encapsulated which uh yeah it's not in the way of your feet no, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, you know the one reason is you know if I put it outside, I got to worry about freeze, yeah. um, and uh, you know water and additional. Um, this is just a four hundred watt system, you wow. know. Um, and uh, then, then you're certainly not the most expensive lithium ion battery in Mendocino County. I'm not. Oh, good. <laughs> But, um, hey, Alex, yeah. what's the most expensive battery bank you've installed in Mendocino County? Oh, lordy. Well, if you had to buy it all, um, I'll do the calculation. Just the, just the battery bank. Right. <laughs> well, I'll do I mean, the calculation. You're talking $30,000, $40,000. Yeah. 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 So this is one 12-volt um, uh, Simplify battery. Oh, I thought you said it was 48-volt. Well, yeah. Well, I'm looking like uh, $84,000. <laughs> $84,000 battery bank. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. All right. Okay. Well, thanks. I just sort of want to run it by you guys again. I, I just wanted to... What, uh, there's no... what, what were you running by us? Well, I was just... Um, I was just wondering about um, whether... You know, what were the issues, the safety issues of just putting this battery 
under a table. It won't get kicked, and it won't get um, hurt. And I'm right next to the, um, well, the I, small uh, charge controller. Well, I would sure like to see rigid conduit on all the wires into and out of it. Okay. And I would hope not to see a building inspector visit spontaneously. Uh, the okay. uh, the charge controller needs to have uh, needs to be able to disperse heat. Um, yeah, it needs to vent. I believe you had a kid charge controller by midnight. Yeah. 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 yeah those guys do get hot. So you want to, if you, yeah, you got to have good flow of air around it. In fact. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have a yeah. fan, right? Either a fan or else have them mounted vertically somehow so that air can actually, you know, effectively flow past, a, past the okay. defense. And it doesn't, okay. it doesn't have to be by the battery. No, right. just near. Right. Okay, thanks. Uh, thanks for the info. Sure enough. Take care. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, Off-grid solar can have different meanings. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gorilla solar. I like that. Gorilla, gorilla solar. Oh, I love those articles. Uh, yeah. I don't know if listeners are, are, how many listeners are familiar with that, but... Uh, Good God, what was the name of the magazine? Home Power Magazine, who no longer exists, but man, they were they were a rock-solid source of information in this burgeoning industry for 20, 30 years. And uh, back when uh, grid tie started to happen in California first in a big way, in about 22 years ago, um... There were lots of lots of states where you, you just weren't allowed to do that. Um, and they would have these one-page parody articles about somebody who put a system in in one of those states where it wasn't allowed. And there would be a picture of them up on the roof with their solar array all in black face masks. <laughs> and 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 they they had a standard form that they would use when they would profile, you know, various different system owners. And normally you'd get to see their names and their locations and whatnot. And in this particular article, the one Gorilla Solar article per issue, they would have them redacted. You know, the name and the place would be redacted, but all the other Cooper. Cr critical information in this uh, on, about the system would be listed. But identifying characteristics that authorities couldn't track them down would be redacted. Gorilla Solar. Yep. Uh, I, I still have fun coming across some of the old. Systems are out in the woods out here. I uh, saw a little back to the lander system not too long ago that uh, someone needed to get a heartbeat in the system uh, just for, you know, be able to get a little bit of power to the house temporarily. They had a really old uh, a DR system as their backup, and they had a SW system that was, you know, like the newer system there, and everything just stank like rats and uh, mice and. You know, or chewed wires here and there and kind of clean the thing out and vacuum some crap out of the place and then I hooked up some batteries to it and boing everything came up and was live again wow yeah it's like wow they actually had something and uh, as far as the rest of the wiring goes oh my gosh oh my gosh I mean completely shredded 
<laughs> some of it, some of the, you know, in some cases the the mice didn't get into it, and you could actually tell the circuits were still sound. Um, it's it's weird. Sometimes mice will like completely leave something alone and just go for one certain wire or something like that. You know, no, 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 no. Then you can replace that wire, or repair that wire. Hey, yeah. we got a call. Good. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hey, thank you. Um, you know about the uh, strategic solar release program? Strategic <laughs> solar release. Yeah, it, uh, I think something like a billion years ago, and we're free to use it, and uh, it's it's really a cool thing. There you go. You gotta like collect some of that here and there. Oh, and this is a pun on the strategic oil reserves release. Yeah, trying yeah. to. Yeah. Well, I I think. The creator enabled that one about four and a half billion years ago. So it wasn't too far off. Yeah. <laughs> I was planning ahead for it. Yeah. It's been going ever since. Actually, it's been ramping up. And you know about solar prospecting, right? Uh, no. Yeah, I learned this from a friend of mine, uh, Keith Rutledge of Willits. Of course, Keith. He said, you go, you go out in your yard and you look up in the sky and there's the sun and you point to it and say, there's the sun. And that's solar prospecting. Solar prospecting. Yeah. The Eureka. <laughs> Eureka. <laughs> I have found it. The sun. Eureka. Hey, thanks for the great show. I'm going to hang up. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. Mr. Leverett. Always yeah. with a silly joke or two. Trying trying to help us out in the last minutes of our show. We we are available for call-ins if you've got a question or comment. If anything in our earlier discussion tickled you or you've got a question about something new or something you're thinking about doing 895-2448 I did recently pick up a uh, new uh, inverter that I haven't hooked up yet it's a uh, it's a uh, what is it it's a midnight DIY so midnight's making a do-it-yourself line of inverters now yeah no they're not they're not they're not making it midnight no, well, right. it's got Somebody midnight's. It it's got midnight's name on it. Right, but it is coming out. It's an all-in-one type inverter. Uh, it's got a uh, AC inverter and it's got a uh, high-voltage DC input. And it's really, really, really inexpensive. And I'm not going to recommend one for my client until I see somebody else's client use them for a few years. I've got one. That I'm going to. You're going to play with it. All right, you'll be the one I'm going to report to. I'm waiting for my uh, Wi-Fi dongle, so, or my Bluetooth dongle, so I can program it. But, well, uh, it, it is crazy inexpensive, but I am yeah. suspect. Yeah, like... All right, we, we have actual multiple callers. Okay. One of them pac- patiently and silently waiting in the wings. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Is that me? That's you. Okay, I was wondering if you had any recommendations for a... Uh, Battery charger uh, for like one and a half volt batteries, D's, double A's, triple A's. Wow, it's been a while since I've looked at what's out there for those. Uh, uh, you, are you talking the regular alkaline ones? Uh, no, uh, <clears throat> nickel metal hydrides and, and uh, lithiums. Shoot, I'm, I am kind of out of touch. Those exist okay. out there, but uh, yeah, I bet you a quick search on the internet yeah i've been looking around it's really hard to tell what's uh you know what's good and what's 
what's not. The prices are all over the place, and I don't really know how to analyze what's Wow. Well, uh, no, they're, there. they're pretty straightforward to charge. I, I wouldn't go for anything outrageously expensive. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you. Sure enough. Sorry. Uh, right. Not yeah. more in touch these days with that one. Yeah, less than forty bucks. <laughs> less than, please, less than forty bucks. And and nickel metal hydride are largely out of the picture anymore. I think most rechargeable batteries are moving toward lithium ion. Yeah. Um, well, we did have three calls lighting up the board, and now there are none. We have just a few minutes left before we shift over to music and go to. Jamie, who's in the house for radiograms, some spoken word and music, and fun, right after the Ceanothus native plant spot. I hear one of the callers came back, or perhaps a new one. Hello, caller, you're live on the air. Hi, good evening. Good evening. I'm calling about uh, a system that Alex has actually worked on a number of t- or a couple times in probably the last 10, 15 years. I'm still having trouble getting my multi-quip 15-kilowatt generator to interface properly with my Outback system and uh, auto-start the system when the battery voltage drops. Which multi-quip? And it's a, a 15 kW single phase. Okay. And, and with the Outback. And it's a two-wire yeah, two start? Yes, it is. What's it, what's it doing or not doing? It's not starting the generator when the voltage drops. Uh, there was a Radio Shack type fuse that I Alex had put in at one point, and I've replaced a number of times, but it doesn't seem to. It would usually start once, and then it never starts and stops again properly. Okay, and it keeps, and so it keeps blowing the fuse. No, it's not even blowing the fuse. That's what we had tried first was, and just to change the fuse, it was a real cheap fuse that's put in line there. And yeah, that, I'm just wondering if there's anything new or better out there that that might work. <laughs> yeah, there's there's some other systems that are working better. Unfortunately, uh, Outback sometimes has difficulties with a couple of different systems like that. Um, and I don't. What's the difficulty? I haven't had problems with Outback's auxiliary. You're using one of the aux outputs? Yeah. I don't yeah. remember which one on this. And, so, and so it's probably feeding a 12-volt a coil relay that's just engaging yeah, or disengaging. Relay. So the relay keeps yep. failing. Well, I don't know if the relay keeps failing because I put a new one in and I can't even get it to start. And I've, I've kind of given up on it and stopped messing around with it for a number of years. We finally broke down and bought some decent batteries, so I don't need it ah. nearly as frequently. But I sure would like it to work properly at some point. Yeah, no, that, that seems like it should be an easy one to get to the yeah. bottom of. If I'm remembering right, this one, uh, yeah, everything is set up so it should be working just fine. It just does not. It's not yeah. reliable for some reason. We, you got a new mate right. on your system too, a mate three, correct? No, I don't. I have the original mate that we put on, so I have the four thirty-five hundred watt uh, stack inverters, the forty-eight volt system. You came out years ago, and we put in got I think forty-eight six volt Deca <laughs> batteries, and you were 
saying how ridiculous it was, but we had put four different strings in. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, and and then yeah, so that's I don't know if you remember me. My name, yeah, Tom, and way out Minor Road, right at the Training County border. Oh wow! Um, okay, that's a different one. Wow, <laughs> that's been a while for sure. It's it's been a while for sure, and everything else works great. And we've upgraded panels over the years, and uh, and batteries, and but uh, yeah, still can't get the uh, well, start to work properly. Well, one thing I would do first is take the wires that run to the generator, the signal wires that run to the generator, uh-huh. and touch them together. Make sure they work and see if itself. it starts. Because you may be you may be blaming the wrong system. Okay. Yeah, isolate as many different pieces as you can to figure that out. Uh, wow. Yeah, God, that's a crazy place to <laughs> to try to get out to. Oh, man. Yeah. Yes, it's it's way out there. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so that would be your first starting point. Just try and isolate. And as many different things. Yeah, I don't think the relay is the weak link. Well, the next thing would just see, you know, uh, would be to manually trigger the aux signal from the source well, it works. piece of equipment. It works. It sends out its two volts, manually. and you can verify that at the relay. Yeah, and I can manually, and I can manually start it through the mate, no problem. Oh, no kidding! Won't. No kidding! That sounds yeah. to me like a programming issue. Yeah. One of the things it could be doing is if uh, if it runs once and that doesn't run again, it could be that it's timing out. Uh, I don't know. I right, but it's not even. It, yeah, but it's not even. Uh, it's not even running once, and I can sit there and try and draw down the voltage to see if it'll do anything, and you know, put a put a heavy load on it with with no sun out, and it, it'll just it'll just drop. It'll just tank the system. It won't. It, it won't even try and start. So it's not that it's trying to start once, or it starts once and then won't start again. So. Right. <laughs> I have a but, <laughs> funny memory of you moving batteries all day, and, and toward the end of the day, seeing your clothes turning to shreds from <laughs> all the acid. Yes. Then you distinctly remember exactly my my double walled car hearts were eaten completely. Oh, yeah. your poor car hearts! Oh, you got to wear yeah. polyester or, or the all the flies, the fly, and the belt, pretty much. <laughs> the already uh, yeah. the already holy car hearts. Oh lordy, I've, yes. I've told that story Seriously. a few times. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So. Hey, so, yeah, you think give me a call if you have a couple questions. Maybe we could run through a couple things. Uh, you know, a couple uh, suggestions so that he doesn't have to come up there. My, my number okay. hasn't changed. So. Yeah, I still have your number. That'd be great. Yeah, I, like I said, I we finally had enough money that we bought better batteries. The ones you su suggested originally. And so... <laughs> <All right. laughs> the system does well, work a lot better. I'm but, suggesting uh, different but, ones all together. So. <laughs> well, I, no, of course you would, but... Yeah, as everything keeps changing, but uh, everything else works really well. So, okay, great. Well, I will. Uh, I'll try you sometime soon and see if I can't chase it down. All right. And Good I luck. appreciate the uh, advice all and the work over the years. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Bye bye. bye bye. Hey, we got to go. Um, we're still working on uh, on getting Aptera, but they said they're 
just too crazy busy coming up uh, bringing things up to production levels and and uh they may be able to join us in june so we'll see what what guests we can arrange or topics for for our may shows yeah looking forward to them for sure see y'all in a couple <laughs> of weeks bye bye This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.